This is Jesse Parker and Tommy Niblack. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Faith, Faith Chair, Chair, where we answer the questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. In this episode, Tommy and I address a question that really should have started off this season because it's the root of everything when we talk about love, love of self. Hope you're ready. Let's get into it. Yo. <laughs> I'm going to do it for Tommy since he's been banned, <laughs> but I don't do it. It is Faith Chair Friday. Oh, it's a beautiful sunny day outside. The rose blossoms are coming out. They sure Spring is the other day. Yeah. It was unnaturally warm. It was like 68 degrees that day. I loved it. It was beautiful when it came outside. You know there's hope in the air in the Northwest when there's that sweet spring smell in the air. Like all of a sudden, all of Bro. the... All of the sadness and the depravity that is the fall and winter in Here. the Northwest, all that darkness yep. and gray and dreary rain. Yep. There's hope in the air. So uh, so we're feeling good. We're feeling good. We've gotten a little vitamin D. Yes. You just came back from walking your gigantic mm-hmm. dog that has gotten so big, even in like the two weeks since the last time I saw him. I'm, uh, it's hard. You know, it's hard to tell what's changing in your life. Because most of the time it's in your life, it's right in your face, you see it all the time. But when someone else comes in and they're like, What the heck? You see it gradually, right? You don't see the big changes, right? Um, it's it's crazy because last week I feel like he wasn't as thick as he is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but he has been he has been sick, he had Giardia, uh, so that parasite, um, whatever worms he had before that were taking a lot of his a lot of the nutrients he was getting from the food so it was preventing mm-hmm. him from growing like he needed to. Now hopefully all that is over and done with and we should see some serious gains here yeah. uh, in a couple of days. So Do you think uh, his frame is mostly done growing and now he's just gonna be filling he, it out? Or? He definitely has about two more inches taller to go. Um and then it'll just all be filling out. But um Yeah, he looks but, like yeah. a totally I mean, you know his body, but it was just his head and his face. I was like, "You look like a totally different dog. Like That's you are funny. no longer a puppy." I did, I that I didn't notice, but my brother saw him the other day and said the exact same thing. It's like when you show it's up like your his friend's head house. is like what? Yeah, what? It's when, like when you show up at your friend's house and their kid like has that little uh, like seventh grade mustache. Yes, <laughs> the little dusting across. It's like the mandatory rite of passage for all middle school oh, boys. Oh gosh. Like, he doesn't want to shave that. That's, nah, that's girl, I've been trying to get this boy. He don't want to shave. <laughs> that's him. what I felt like when I saw his moves today. That's funny. Oh man, yo! So today, we're in keeping with our relationship uh, series. Actually, before I say that, I want to say I f- found out that I uh, was because I've been seeing a therapist, and in my second visit. Uh, my second session, I should say, with with them was like um, very eye opening. The first one was eye opening. The second one was even more eye opening because uh, came to realize that I have seasonal depression. And I was like, not me. And she was like, well, why do you say that? I was like, because I just get up and push through. Mm-hmm. I just get up and you know I just gotta just gotta go and I, I do the things that I have on my list and I get them done. She was like, well, wouldn't you rather? Instead of pushing through, just walk through. She's like, that's a sign of seasonal depression that you have to push yourself through. It's like she said, it's it's more common with people that are not from the Pacific Northwest 
to suffer with that um, than it is for people who are born and raised here. Uh, again, more common, not uncommon for it. Right. For, but uh, so the sun definitely has, I've been definitely benefiting from getting outside as yeah. much as possible when the sun comes out. But, but I feel like that's a good segue into what we're going to talk yeah. about today. Um, and keeping with the relationship um, season that we're in right now, uh, I thought it'd be cool if we talked about we talked about relationship, how we relate to our spouses, how we relate in dating, how we relate to friends, how we relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ, people who may not be believers, but uh, they're still human beings, they're still people. What if we talked about how do we relate to ourselves? Mm-hmm. How do we love and care for ourselves? Um, and um, I feel like, and it's been taboo, and I think we talked about this um, in another season, but it is self-care to actually seek help, you know, for your psyche, for your soul, for your, soul, for your mental health. Um, but the churches, many churches, many denominations have frowned on that. But I feel like, it is uh, within the realm of self-care, self-love, when you are taking care of yourself like that and getting help in those in those areas, finding out, hey, you might benefit from a happy lamp. You might benefit from taking the extra vitamin D when it's when it's not sunny. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, it's funny. You know, this is funny. Uh, I. Full disclosure, because you guys are family. Faith shares family, right? The <laughs> listeners, y'all are family. Uh, I love being regular throughout the day. Two, three times, maybe four. If it, if I if I get to go a fourth time during the day, the Lord is definitely smiling on me. <laughs> God's face is shining and smiling on me. Um so my wife, one one day, she was like, you're always in the bathroom. I was like, look, woman, <laughs> if my colon isn't happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> you that's, know the, that's the new burner state. Right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to be happy in this house if my colon, we're if my a, bowels are not happy. We're making a shirt with the poop emoji. That's what I'm saying. But I think that's one of the things that I have just been, um, you know, stickler on if, if, if things aren't flowing right in my body, uh, it's not that I get upset. It's just that I'm out of I'm out of sorts. I'm out of whack. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. So um, well, we've talked we've talked about it before, yeah. right? The the uh, in in I think we've talked about it in the context of like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, chronic illness and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's also it's also true just for like when things just aren't like going the way that right, they normally right, go, right? right. right? And so this idea of, and it applies to both. It's an over. It's not just for chronic illness. It's mm-hmm. an overarching theory that's been applied to it. But the spoon mm-hmm. theory, mm-hmm. right? Which is this idea that we we all, to varying degrees, is definitely different from person to person. But we all have a certain supply of energy, focus, yes. um, life force, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in the day, yeah. I mean, the Lord's prayer said, "Give us this day yeah. our daily bread." I've taught about yeah. that before, like. That's only for today. We got to stop using 
to today to worry Today's about tomorrow. That's tomorrow, why Jesus right. said that. He said, don't worry right. about tomorrow. Because right. he knew that God supplied just like the manna right. was, was for each day, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this idea, like, even if you're not suffering from a chronic illness and you're totally healthy and then something goes off in your body, yeah. well, like, the idea is, like, let's say you, yeah. you know, you're healthy, you work out, you have a high capacity. Let's say you mm-hmm. have 10 spoons worth mm-hmm. of energy and capacity per day. Mm-hmm. Well, something's a little bit off. All of a sudden, you have only a nine. Yeah. So now you're not able to accomplish what you're normally used to being able to accomplish, which can yeah. become frustrating. Yeah. And sometimes that can mean that tomorrow you only have eight spoons. And because it spirals it, sometimes it does. too. So yeah. That rolls over. Energy doesn't roll over, <laughs> but the, the but the but the What do you mean uh, nice that we get to roll hours? Failure sati- oh, God. I know you only use twenty two hours today, you get twenty six <laughs> hours tomorrow. Wouldn't that be nice? That's crazy how nothing else rolls over but like failure fatigue or uh Depression sometimes, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um, I, I, wow. I, I was thinking, too, when you were sharing, like, and we haven't even gotten into the topic yet, guys. Right, right, we're right. just kind of shooting right now is is the idea of, like, again, because I think even society as a whole, as a whole still is pretty much is pretty, pretty at a deficit when it yeah. comes to understanding mental health issues. Yeah. Because yeah. I think there's still this idea of, like, if you have depression – that like you you're like mopey and you're mm-hmm. still like you're Eeyore basically yeah and you you know you can't accomplish anything you're sad all the time you stay inside you just binge watch television shows and yeah. eat food and sleep and like that's the picture we have of depression but yeah. I would pro- I would say probably most depressed people are doing exactly what you do yeah. they're yeah. pushing through either because through. that's the only way they know how to deal with it yeah mostly because probably not because none of us can afford to not push through yeah so you just you just suck it up right yeah. and you accomplish what what whatever you can accomplish with the spoons you have left over from whatever you're dealing with yeah. right um, and so then people, you know, you get that all the time, like, well, what do you have to be sad about? Well, you seem fine. Yeah. Or like you even look at, look at people like, you know, Robin Williams, who was a com- comedian, a funny guy, entertainer, and yet he struggled with depression and ended up you Yo, know, that, losing his life. Like that, that's the side of mental health that people, we don't understand as, yeah. a, as a society and certainly yeah. not as the church yet. They're like, yeah. there's people who can seem totally fine. Yeah. And and that doesn't mean that they're just that they actually are fine. Yeah. And sometimes it is just a coping mechanism. But that do you know much about his life about him at all? No, no. I, I just I just know that you know that's that's true. And there's yeah. some other entertainers and stuff that I can't think of off the top of my head. It was the same way where mm-hmm. addiction or depression or even suicide ended up taking their life. Yeah. But on the outside, everybody would have thought they were fine, even to the point where they were the one always making everyone laugh, yeah. always had a big smile on their face. Obviously, someone like Robin Williams, from our standpoint, had anything and everything you'd want, right? Mm-hmm. Rich, fame, wealth. Mm-hmm. Like he could have anything he wanted, live anywhere he wanted, do anything he wanted to do. It doesn't mean that that he didn't struggle with depression, and obviously uh, he did. And so, like, you know, I think it's this ongoing process of our society coming to understand the the, the many dimensions of depression and self-care and... Um, my wife was posting the other day. I've seen some other people post like, they're like, man, I did, I had never had to stop, but like, thinking about our parents dealt with the same struggles that we're sure. dealing with, but they lived in a culture and society that didn't recognize mm-hmm. self care and therapy, and sort of like, it was kind of having through. this realization, like, you know, instead of just being mad at them because 
they look down on the younger generation and uh-huh. think they were weak. Mm-hmm. They also understand that like they have a lot of untreated, unacknowledged trauma and hurt and depression yeah. that they have just dealt with because the only thing that they ever knew, mm-hmm. the only thing anyone ever told them, the only option they had was to push through. Yeah. Right? But that, that takes it. its own toll, right? Yeah. And so it's like no wonder there's bitterness and exhaustion yeah. and, well, you should just suck it up. Yeah, but should I have to? Right. Can I? Yeah, probably. But just because you had to, does that mean that I have to? And it's even like, look down on self-care. Right. And even like, like it's just for like it's, shun it. You're weak. You're right. you know, and, and that's that's been some of the dialogue and the miscommunication between the generations that yeah. I think is still causing a lot of uh, problems with society as a whole grasping and understanding Bro. this whole thing. You know, we've talked about before. It's like the research, the science is telling us yeah. that we should be doing three, four day work weeks. The, the science and the research has shown us that we should embrace what a lot of other first world countries mm-hmm, are doing mm-hmm. in terms of a lot more time off, mm-hmm. vacation, breaks, bre- yeah, breaks uh, shorter work weeks, uh-huh. uh, more extended time off for when you have children, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, right? Leads to a healthier life, which actually, you know, counterintuitively, which actually, actually makes to- total sense. It was like, why do people not get this? Like, leads to better production Bro, in the workplace, too. They, they, social scientists found out, um, um, not social scientists, um, organizational scientists found that companies that offered unlimited vacations did not suffer because what the thought was by giving unlimited vacations that people will just take yeah. unlimited vacations and be gone all the time. No one would be in the office, no one would do the work. But the opposite happened. Not only did production go up, but the company succeed became more of a success right. than it had well, been before. Think about it. Like if you got a big project and you're like, man, we got a deadline. We have to hunker down. We really got to get this done in the next ten yeah. days. But you know, at the end of that, you can take yeah. a week off and go yeah. to Belize or whatever. Yeah. Like, and that's what wound that's up happening. A totally different. It, it gives you the energy to that's actually right. do that. That's right. And to do it well and to do it without complaining. That's right. Which all leads to a better production, better how, end result. How can we? And you said it. And I feel like. Why don't people get this? When you're not better, you can't be better for other people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can I bring anything of 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 value to the table when I'm jacked up? Mm-hmm. When I'm backed up. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's kinda, I, I think it's kind of like all we've ever seen is all we've ever known. Yeah. And all we can know, right? Yeah. I just okay, so I, I finished the last kingdom, and now I'm like sad because I'm, you're, like, I'm you're out ahead of, of me. I'm Don't of, say anything. No, no, no. I'm not gonna. Say, I'm okay, like okay. I'm out of Viking show. So then I was like, I was scrolling through today. You know, I had some time at lunch, and I was like, ah, oh, there's like nothing new that I want to yeah. watch. So I was like, I was gonna rewatch Vikings. Right, right. So I start watching the first episode. Did you finish Vikings Valhalla? Yes. Yeah, the hey. first season. Yeah. Oh, it's um, only one season. Okay. So far, yeah. Okay. I think, okay. Well, I don't remember. I finished whatever's out right now. Okay. But uh, 
you know, this whole idea of like they only ever raided east because yes. that's all they knew because no one had ever knew. gone west and they that's didn't right. think they could sail over open ocean. Yeah. And then Ragnar was like, I found a way to do it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this whole new world opened up to yeah. them. It's just, I think that's the same way as like people are like, well, look at all humankind has accomplished. Yeah. And it's like, but then the, you have to sit back and be like, man, if we really understood self-care, or even like the church when they talk about like women in ministry, yeah. like it, what would the church look, what would the world look like if for the last 2,000 years we hadn't cut off half of God's gifted and called people from the church? Bruh. Like it's the same kind of thing. Like, yeah, we've Bruh. accomplished great things, but man, how much more could we have accomplished? So, so I'm, I'm uh, watching this, I was watching this other show on uh, Apple TV. Um, called uh, uh, For All Mankind. Mm -hmm. And it's a really interesting premise because, so the idea is we're, you're in, the, you're in the, the 60s space race, right? Mm -hmm. But in this, in this show, in this timeline version, the Russians beat us to the moon. Right. And the interesting part, when you think about it, is what happened was that it became a, a back in, it, it stayed a race. Yeah. In in the sense that both Russia and the U.S. were still invested in going in in space because right. instead of us like kind of thoroughly beating them and they kind of quit and then we we're like we don't got anything else to do and we mm -hmm, pulled back mm -hmm. they were one up in each other so then all of a sudden in this timeline by the eighties you have cell phones you have electric cars yeah. we have a base on the moon we're mm -hmm. talking about going to Mars uh, you know then crazy stuff's happening because then Russia and us start arming things in space and then it goes the same way things have gone throughout history but like just this idea of like just because this is all we've known doesn't mm -hmm. mean that's all there is mm -hmm. and had certain things gone different ways like technology that we're experiencing today could have come a long time ago yeah i mean you think about like electric cars and and gasoline cars were neck and neck yeah. when cars were first invented. Yeah, yeah. And they killed the the electric yeah, car. Like, yep. So like imagine imagine if instead they'd killed the gas car. Mm -hmm. I mean, where would we be right now? We probably would have flying cars right now. We'd have no fuel dependency. The <sighs> environment would probably be way better. Yeah. Like you know, it's just crazy yeah. to think. And I think when it comes to self care, because people have historically accomplished great things. Without self care, mm -hmm. we think that that's the only way, right? And we don't, we don't think we haven't, we've been programmed not to believe that there's any way that by working less yeah. or working less intently that we could possibly produce more or better. I love that, and I feel like from there we should talk about what self care really is mm -hmm. and what self care really is not. That's yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Um, before we go there, though, we yeah, should just yeah. tell, be like, hey, guys, this does come out of the Bible. <laughs> Let's make sure Jesus, we have that foundation. Jesus knew there. this stuff before. There were organi organizational yeah. scientists, social scientists, psychologists, yeah. counselors. Um, he knew this stuff. How could he have known this stuff? Because he is the son of God. He was God in human form come to earth. So he knew everything about us, about the human condition yeah. and how we function. Well, even before that, I mean, yeah. obviously God created us, right? He made us. So even when you go back to the law, there was a lot of stuff in there about making oh, sure that there was care that was happening, that people weren't being overworked, taking advantage of, um, you know, the poor weren't being taken advantage of, mm -hmm. uh, the workers weren't being taken advantage of, employers. Even the animals. 
even the cases, animals. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you, you, you talk about the the jubilee years yeah. and le- letting the land rest and the yeah. Sabbath, and then you fast forward to Jesus, right? He gives us the greatest commandment: love, you know, love God, but then love your neighbor as you love yourself, which is kind of where this idea yeah. of talking about this came from: is yeah. that we can't we can't properly or well or even like we just talked about, probably better than what we thought was possible. For Love sure. other people, whether it's your spouse, your mm-hmm. kids, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. the world, whoever God is calling us to love, unless we first have a healthy love of self. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. self care is actually really important. <laughs> it's actually re- because <laughs> it's, it's the first. Important. It's the first foundation for the rest of it. That's right. Like, I That's can't right. love my neighbor unless I love myself. And the degree to which I love myself is the degree to which I love my neighbor. You got to break that. We could, and I, then if we if we look at history and how we have historically gosh. treated our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And look, guys, this is across the board. Like, warfare is a part of humanity. It always has been. This is not just a white European thing. Um, you know, this is every culture ever, you know, that I know of, at least every major culture. Um, but like, (laughs) so many things are going through my mind right now, but (laughs) what you're saying, (laughs) a a lack of self love has to be at the, at the heart of that. Because if if positive self love creates an ability to love others well, then the, then the flip coin, the coin flip is, is also true is that is that if the fruit that we're seeing is a lack of love for for others and and hatred and bigotry and violence and destruction and oppression and genocide and war has been the rhythm of humanity from the beginning, um, since Cain and Abel, Mm -hmm. uh, then we have to look at the root of that being a lack of self. And that's, I mean, you go to Cain and Abel, that was the problem, right? Yeah. He he thought lowly of himself. That's right. Because God did not accept his offering. That's right. That's right. And that created an animosity between him and his brother, which led to the first murder. So, like, this, this is all, this is very important. Most of the problems that we see documented in scripture from a lot of the heroes, quote unquote heroes of the faith, felt that way initially about themselves, especially yeah. before Jesus. Uh, the Old Testament, um, uh, Samuel speaking to King, uh, was it Saul, who killed Agag, but he didn't, he he, he killed everyone but Agag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he said, and he felt, he felt, um, um, he had a low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So he listened to the people when they said, no, let's save this. Let's keep this. Which continued on with David. Which continued on <laughs> right? with David. And Saul we, killed his thousand all and of David our, killed his ten right. thousand and Saul got insecure, mm-hmm. right? All of, our, all of our problems stem stem from how we view ourselves. When we don't, if we don't love ourselves in the in the right way, because what I was thinking of, we could say that we love ourselves I'm, I'm, by doing the things that for us look like love mm-hmm. for us, but to other people are clearly selfish. You know, you're looking at me. Oh, look at what Tommy's doing. Da, 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 da. That's what, he's happy doing that. Da, da. But I thought we asked him if he was going to be able to come over and help us with X, Y, and Z. But instead he's by himself doing what he wants to do. Oh, no, I'm taking care of me. I'm taking care of... No, self-love 
is not you always doing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not always you right, doing you, right. boo. The equation is it's not love, that. love your neighbor as you love yourself. So both need to be happening. Otherwise, there's happening a somewhere. And self-love is always... You have to be sacrificial with yourself. Mm. Just like you're sacrificial. I feel like... When I... When... when you asked what we were going to talk about today. I was thinking about this um, after we decided what, what we were going to talk about. I was thinking about it since yesterday. I was like, man, this is this is one of those things that, I mean, I feel like everything we talk about is challenging and encouraging. Um, but like you said, this is the root. Mm-hmm. This this is the root, and we have to deal. We have to deal with the root. Self-love is also sacrificial love. You have to sacrifice things. Like I had to, um, because I love myself and I want to love my wife and my kids and other people better, I've found, I look for things in my life that are detrimental for my life Mm. and get rid of them as best as I can. Because if I keep them there, it's only feeding the selfish side of me does does that make sense yeah and so that's why i say self self-love has to be also sacrificial love right. you have to be sacrificial with yourself like what things are you daily sacrificing so that you can love yourself better and in turn love other people better right, right. you know it's, it's interesting because i'm thinking about like well, you know, we should qualify that like excessive self love can be bad, but but which is true in that it makes it difficult to do the second part of the equation. Yeah. But <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, if you're being careful to accomplish the full equation of that commandment, yeah, then then narcissism of self would translate into narcissism for others, which would balance itself out. You know what? Right. <laughs> Like oh my gosh, the, those people are the best people. Like they're so amazing, Listen. they're so good at what they do. Yeah. Nobody is better. Like you can yeah. even say that. Like if you narcissistically love yeah. yourself, as long as you're letting yeah. that translate into narcissistic love hey, of other I feel people, like, I feel like if that's the thing you struggle with, then shoot, push it, right, push right. it, push it for, push it towards other people. I mean, the, the why trick not go is, the trick is that narcissism often is going to cut that off at right. love of self. And it will never translate into yeah. love of others, right? How, do you, have you? I, I mean, I was about to ask a dumb question. Really dumb. Question. Have you ever dumb met? <laughs> I was going to say, have you ever met any narcissistic believers? But <laughs> I'm a narcissistic eh, believer. <laughs> eh, I struggle with narcissism. Listen, I, I feel like most um, uh, people in ministry do, to some extent. Um. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I, I, I don't know. Well, the, the, the pastor in Atlanta. A lot of people that I talk about, talk to in ministry, yeah. actually often struggle with a lot of negative self-talk. Hmm. Um, a lot of feeling of unworthiness, of being a failure, yeah. being a hypocrite. But is that because they don't enough. have a mega church? No, I mean, I, I think that's just, uh, uh, I think that's probably more prevalent in church leaders than narcissism. Okay. I think narcissism is more common the larger the ministry is. For, for sure. I, even to the point that I think you, you need a narcissistic personality to even push towards that having churches that size. Yeah. Because someone who's not narcissistic at some point is going to say, 
hey, what's you know what size is too big, and at yeah, what point yeah, yeah. are we no longer really able to serve and to accomplish our mission? And, that makes sense. Excuse um, me. I, I think about the pastor. Uh, shout out to Pastor Peter Chan at Rainer Avenue Church. You know, we were having a conversation, and he was talking about you know. Uh, the church uh, size and the growth that they've had at Rainer Avenue Church pre and during pandemic yeah. and and like you know the question of are we gonna have to start going to multiple services and he's like he just he's like it doesn't feel like that's in line with our culture he's yeah. like I'm, I don't I'm not trying to build a mega church so he's yeah. like actively trying to think like how how do we continue to minister to this growing congregation in a way that doesn't require the masses to come and gather at the church yeah. building, you know, for multiple services yeah. on Sunday and do that thing as opposed to, you know, maybe pressing into some other kind of hybrid models. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so, you know, there's some exceptions to that rule um, where you see people thinking about things in, in an uncommon yeah. way. Yeah. And uh, but but I think by and large, there is this like it suddenly becomes something that's feeding the ego. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I know. uh a church um, that was was struggling for a while, and the, the pastor was struggling, and rather than recognizing uh, the issues and the challenges with leadership and um, some shortcomings um, in other areas of life, I'm trying to kind of be uh, generic with this. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, they decided, well, let's just. Uh, you know, let's just change everything yeah. and basically, you know, pretend that we're a brand new ministry. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's like, how is that going to fix anything? Mm-hmm. All that's going to do is, is it's really an attempt to trick the community into thinking you're something different than what you've always been, which, right. was, which was failing and effective. Right, right, but right. The, the core of the ministry hasn't changed. So it's like, unless you're changing, there's no point in That's narcissistic. a new name. Yeah, because yeah. what it is, it's like I'm, I'm building my own kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you, you you see the same problem with, like, you know, when you hear, which I've heard from way too many community uh, service organizers and stuff, is that anytime they reach out to churches to be involved in something, they don't want to do it unless they can put their name on it. That's right. It's like, your church name is unimportant. We are interrupting your regularly scheduled podcasting for a special bulletin announcement. The Faith Chair is for you. You're the reason why we do what we do. So if you enjoy these ongoing conversations, discussions, and questions at the intersection of faith and culture, we want to encourage you to continue to like, subscribe, follow, and share the faith share with those that you love and care about. We thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the rest of this conversation. I mean, think about it. Your church name means nothing. Nothing. In the your, grand your church is things. not the totality of the kingdom of God. It's not yeah. the totality of the body of Christ. It's not representative of the whole of Christianity. You are just a part. And so the name of your church having fame is like completely unimportant. And That's o- bad self love. I don't know about often. <laughs> it might even be always mm-hmm. is actually counterproductive for the yeah. kingdom. Right. Hugely. But again, like that kind of mentality is comes out of a narcissism. Yeah. We have I was thinking about I was like, well, what if in the converse of that or the inverse of that, I don't know which word is the right, it may both be applicable, but mm-hmm. what if instead of trying to get credit for everything we do, the church stopped trying to get credit for anything we do? Well like what do you think would draw people to God more? It's what do you converse. think would be a better conversely yes. an, an, a, a better testimony if the church was just like 
we're just going to help people. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know who we are. Yeah. I mean, isn't that in line with what God said when he said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is mm-hmm. doing? Like, but we want credit for everything. Why? Because yeah. we're not building the kingdom of God. We're not building the body of Christ. We're building our own individual kingdoms called such and such community fellowship. Uh, that's that's nar- that's definitely narcissistic, and that's the bad side of self love. Like, how can your church say they love you and they love the? I we love such and such church, but they're not teaching you to be sacrificial. They're, they're not, they want their name, like you said, on everything that happens that they are facilitating uh, in the community. Right. That's not self-love. That's not a good example of self-love. Right. That's not a good example of sacrificial yeah. Cause, love. Because where does that come from? It comes from, it comes from two things. Either a narcissistic belief that your church is somehow better than all other churches. There it is. And that all believers should be a part of your denomination or your church or under your pastor because they're the best. There it is. The other side of it, which I think, like I said, I think is just as common, mm-hmm. is that there is a lack of self-love. There's mm-hmm. a lack of confidence. There's a lack yeah. of faith in the calling. Um, there's an insecurity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, you know, people aren't going to come. You know, our church is going to dwindle and die. Our ministry is going to become ineffective. You just remind you know, me. And so ahead. we always have to... We also have to push the narrative and and do all this kind of stuff, even to the point we've talked about before of like really manipulative practices, like yeah. when churches are really dishonest in their website and their branding, um, in their event descriptions, yeah. uh, presenting themselves as something that their church is not at all, mm-hmm. um, and never has been, and probably never will be, just to try to get some people to come right. to the door, like just just kind of dishonest, lack of integrity. That not comes from not this narcissism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that comes from from a lack of confidence, from a lack of love, from a lack of of steadfastness in yeah. the in belief that that uh, that God is for you and that mm-hmm. God has called you, and that He has purpose in the you know following the Holy Spirit. These types of things that give us a sense of identity yeah. that can allow for healthy self love. That is. So I was reading an article before we started, and uh, the first thing. So it was seven seven. Uh, practices to help you better uh, take care of yourself and uh, to better love yourself. The first one was is this. When you love who you are, you accept who you are. Now, in the case of what we were just talking about, pastors uh, and ministry leaders that are feeling some kind of way because they don't have a mega church and uh, they feel like failures because they haven't done something, quote-unquote, great for God. It starts with this, not knowing who you are, not knowing who not knowing who he believes you are, who he has called you to be, and then you're not accepting that. Because um, when you do, you realize, maybe I'm not like like um, the Rax pastor. I'm not supposed to have that. I feel like something in me said, is saying, this is not how it's supposed to be for us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like if more of us, more people, um, uh, more believers, since this uh, is mainly for believers, more believers, especially in ministry positions, would say, you know what? I know exactly who I am. I love who I am. And there's no need for me to be something that I'm not, something that I was never created to be. Right. Um, and that's not something we're, we're not peddling that message. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's I mean, not that's not what we peddle. And an aspect of self love is definitely like that holy contentment of yeah. like this is who I'm called to be, and I don't yeah. need to try to be something else because yeah. it's the exact opposite. Yeah. It's it's uh, self destructive. I mm-hmm. guess is the right term. It's self destructive as opposed to self loving. To like to try to become and try to force yourself to be something that you're not. Yes. Right. I mean, I mean, and this goes beyond ministry. I mean, this is this is some of the trauma and the pain that you see in black and brown communities mm-hmm. that have been forced in order to be able to just exist or to have peace or to to find some modicum of advancement within the society mm-hmm. of having to be something that they're really not. I'm reminded yeah. of Pastor Michael Thomas's comment on our our racism uh, panel. Uh, what two three seasons ago, uh, where he said he's like you know I wasn't I think his wife Kimberly echoed the same thing too is like I wasn't I wasn't able to be my fully black self I right. had to be some some other version yeah. in order to fit the, fit the narrative or to fit the box that I had to be in in just in order to have a job in his in church to, in his own church in his own church I think and I think uh, Pastor Kimberly uh, referenced the same thing in yeah. her corporate job yep. before stepping into ministry and. And I think that same thing is true for a lot of people in a lot of different arenas is that, you know, we f- try to force ourselves or society forces us to try to be something that yeah. that we're not. And that's self-destructive to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to our own heart. So, of course, it's going to be difficult then to love others because yeah. that's going to breed what? It's going to breed exhaustion yeah. and frustration and anger and resentment and uh, a twisted sense of identity. Yeah. Um, and all of that is going to create uh, animosity and friction and conflict with between us and other people. This is one of those things. Uh, I love how you framed it. It's the root. We have to get this because this is the root of everything that we do. This Everything we do flows from us knowing and understanding who we were called and created to be. Um, and being that and doing that. Not anything more, not anything less. Just yeah. doing that, and um, uh, and I feel like the self love and care, like I was talking about earlier, helps us to then pinpoint things that will keep us from being better for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I feel like that's what self love is. Self, what self love is not is it is definitely not selfish. You cannot um, love other people. If you are constantly being selfish. Yeah. There's no way. Like this, like it's impossible to be selfish all the time. Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. That's right. And Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice Mm -hmm. for for us, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the model. You can't get no better than that. So it's kind of a thing of like, unless you have given your life. You know, for someone, mm-hmm. then there's still areas for us to to grow in our yeah. in our sense of, of loving others. It's uh, I'm reminded of a scene because I'm I'm still in Last Kingdom, uh, and I just watched the scene where um, Brita has come back, and she wants revenge uh, on Uhtred for what he did for for having her in prison. And she goes and takes uh, one of the Mercian kingdoms where uh, this guy Sittrigger is ruling with Uhtred's daughter Mm -hmm. as his wife. And so 
she raised the town, sends Citrigger to go f- to to fetch Uhtred and bring him back because she wants to kill him. Also, like, this is so. Now they're looking for Uhtred's daughter, yeah. who's still in the city. She's hiding, uh, and she has some of the women, some of her aides, with her. And uh, I mean, this is a trope in a lot of a lot of films, but since we're talking about self love today, it's, it popped it popped in my head. She told the ladies to find an escape room under the, under the city, uh, through the sewage passageway, and that she was going to give Brita what she wanted, which was her. Mm-hmm. She was like, you guys leave. No one else has to die. I'm going to do it. And they were trying to stop her. She was like, no. No one else has to die. If she wants me, then I'm going out there. Mm-hmm. And then I'll fight her. And if you know she wins, then they... That's what has to happen, but you guys will right. live. And I feel like that has to be, like Jesus, that has to be the model. Right. Like, we should, uh, we are going to have times, like, literally, where we're actually going to have to leave this earth for somebody else. But in small ways, every day, we have things that we can die to so that someone else can live. Right. You know, and uh, I feel like we have to just be more aware. Um, uh, but you can't, she couldn't do that. This girl, um, Steora, I think that yeah, was, that's Steora. her name. She wouldn't have been able to do that had she not known who she was. Right. And accepted who she was. She wouldn't have been able to do that. She would have run. Right. She would have run and tried to hide. She would have let... Everybody get killed as long mm-hmm. as she they, she didn't get found, you know, um, and um, I feel like we have to be willing to just stay aware, stay aware of those things that would cause other sorrow. Like I've I've been saying this ever since I read it in 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 this book, um, doctrines by I'll say his name, but I'm not like a fan of Mark Driscoll and some other writers. I can't remember who else um, uh, wrote that book with him. But the book Doctrines is like 3,000 pages long. The one phrase that stood out to me in all of those pages was, for the glory of God and the joy of others. And that's been my motto ever since I read it. Because if we're not living for God's glory and the joy of others, we're living for our glory and the sorrow of others. Right. And um, that's not how I want. I feel like I lived like that for most of my teenage and young adult life. And like it got me nowhere. It almost got me divorced. You know what I'm saying? Weekends with the kids, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and who knows what, el- what else. Um, but now that I'm in this stage of my life where I'm constantly aware, like... Um, I can't remember the rapper. You might remember the rapper, but check yourself before you wreck yourself. Was it Ice-T? Yeah, definitely had no idea. Gentlemen, no. Ice Cube. Ice-T? Ice it was somebody from the 90s. But check yourself before you wreck yourself. Mm-hmm. Definitely checking myself. You know what I'm saying? That For me, that's what self-love is. Like, if I don't constantly keep myself in check, Looking for areas where I can, where I can sacrifice uh, that has to die. That yeah. has to, I have to put that on the altar because yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but um, 
that's what self-love is for me. Um, because, I, like I said, I lived the opposite way before. Right. It's just, just completely selfish. And I, feel, I don't know. I was going to say maybe that's more of a man thing. But no, it's a human thing. Yeah. We, we, we err on the side of self-preservation way more than we err on the side of uh, sacrificial living mm. and loving. And uh, for believers, that has to be... Well, Jesus modeled it so we could do it. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and, the, and the thing is, like, dealing with your dealing with yourself in a healthy way mm-hmm. gives you the tools to deal with other people in a healthy way. There it so, is. So, like, if you're facing your like trauma that. and processing it, it's going to give you the grace and compassion and mm-hmm. patience to let other people do the same thing. Yeah. To recognize, you know, oh, that outburst didn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. Had to do with something that's happened in their life and give them the grace and the patience, the compassion, the empathy, the mercy, all those things. We have to experience those first. People who don't give themselves that yeah. are the ones that don't give that to anyone else. Did y'all like, hear I, that? Did I'm, you hear I that? feel guilty and shame because of my failures, my <laughs> sin. And so when I see anybody else making any kind of failures, I want to rip them to shreds. That's I right. want to jump on their back. I want to tear them down. Because you I, don't give yourself grace. Right. I think that's yourself, what we right. see in a lot of Christianity, right? It's like the ones who trumpet against things the loudest are often the ones who are guilty of that. The people who are going to be uh, up in arms against pornography are often the ones who are struggling with it themselves yep. because that sense of guilt and shame yep. 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 becomes animosity towards others yep. because they haven't given themselves any kind of grace or mercy mm-hmm. or compassion. They haven't dealt with their issues, and so they're quick, uh, as the Scripture says, quick to point out the sin in others. That's what, That's how they look at God. We're ready. I mean, essentially, we're throwing stones, right? And Jesus mm-hmm. is like, which one of you is without sin? you judging this person so harshly yeah. it's 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 so wrapped up in jesus teaching in ways that we don't think about in terms yeah. of self-care yeah don't try to take the speck out of your brother's eye mm-hmm. and ignore the plank in your own like all of this is actually talking about yeah. self-care yeah and as i go through those processes um where i have to have compassion for myself or i have to recognize that some of the things that i might see as character flies um, or things that sin that I've been engaged in have to recognize that there's ties to my own pain and trauma, yeah, yeah. and allow the Holy Spirit. It's not, again, it's not you're not making excuses for yourself. You're giving yourself compassion and mercy, just as God does, yeah. to work through that. Instead of condemning yourself, you're allowing yourself to go through the process of dealing with it, of getting healthy, mm-hmm. of healing, mm-hmm. of processing. Right. That every person I know who does that work yeah. internally manifest that same patience and love yeah. for other people. Like, I'm not going to jump on you because I know that you're go- you're processing through some trauma. That's right. So I'm going to give you space and I'm going to give you even care and I'm going to love you mm-hmm. and I'm, tra- I'm going to affirm you and support you in that journey and even offer, you know, what wisdom and guidance I can to help you mm-hmm. in that journey. Um, people who have that kind of compassion are almost always people who have done the work themselves. Yeah. You know, do, and... Do you have any... Uh, Self-care practices, self-love practices? 
like in intent. I mean, it, it for me, it's all stuff that you know we've talked about in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways, right? It, it's it's biblical stuff. Um, uh, for for me, it's a lot of it is engaging in in the biblical teachings around uh, uh, rest, right? <clears throat> the Sabbath, uh, recognizing again that I am better able to be obedient to God and to accomplish what he wants me to accomplish mm-hmm. um when i am you know investing in myself yeah and, and are you a goer like would you just go 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 <clears throat> um i can be i i can definitely be the person who gets blinders on yeah um my wife's always on me about that part of that is an extension of me being an introvert yeah um it, it manifests itself in in my lack of understanding and seeing social cues sometimes. So mm-hmm. like, I'll, uh, a lot of times I'll I'll catch myself. I'll be in church, and you know I'm I'm going to do something. I'm I have something in my mind. I'm thinking about. It, I need to accomplish something, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and someone will stop me and engage me in com- you know conversation, and it'll be real quick, real terse. And I have this bad habit of I just leave in the middle of the conversation. <gasps> Like there's there's a lull and I just because the whole time I'm thinking I need to go do this. Right, right, so as right, soon right, as there's right. a lull, I'm like it's like I have an out. Yeah. But there's no like okay, cool. Hey, thanks. Good talking with you. Yeah. I'm gonna chat with you later because I gotta go do this thing. Yeah. I skip all of that and I just leave. Like I just I just walk off right because because the whole time it's right. almost like I was autopilot, but I still have the blinders on for sure. And I'm definitely someone who like when I have projects and work, like I'll look up and realize, oh, you know, it's like five thirty and I haven't had any food today. Like yeah. I didn't need breakfast. I, I do didn't that drink too. Any water. I, I didn't have too. lunch. I didn't go to the bathroom. My body's like, like, hey, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I can definitely I can definitely do that. Um, yeah. I guess I guess a lot of in the other uh, other ways it is just a process of allowing God to to show me my my weaknesses yeah. and I think um, actually our, my marriage has been a, a big help in that area because I've had to learn not to be defensive uh, when my wife points things out to me um, early on in our marriage I don't remember if she mentioned this in some of the early episodes this season but. Early in our marriage, it, you know, everything was a I'm sorry, but. Yeah. Because I always had like, an well, there's an explanation as to why I said that or reacted yeah, yeah, that yeah. way. And it's like, I had to realize that my explanation wasn't really important. What was important was if I hurt her feelings. Um, Ooh. And so, like, it, those processes have allowed me to to recognize and have to deal with mm-hmm, some of mm-hmm. my weaknesses. And, mm-hmm. and in that I've come to understand just how intricately and and uniquely we are all shaped and etched by our experiences in our yeah. life. Like even even recently doing um, doing these psych profiles and filling out a bunch of paperwork in, in, in oh, advance of our ordination, um, kind of psych eval is not really the right term for it, but uh, for lack of a better term and. Um, you know, talking about my family history and how I think that it affects me and just kind of connecting the dots between, you know, my dad's aloofness and um, having to be my mom's emotional support early on in life and how that has led me to today was something I knew about myself but had mm-hmm. never traced the origins of it. Like, I see it as a strength, but in some ways also the weaknesses and then I'm not someone who has a lot of ups and downs. But that also means that I'm, I tend to not be very emotionally re, um, reactive. Got you. 
which can again can be good in moments of crisis, but in terms of like being a good husband, yeah, being a good pastor, that often can also cause me to come across at least as a little callous Mm -hmm. because I'm not reacting to the emotional state. Um, So like tracking some of those things and just realizing, you know, that allows me to look at people. Yeah. And no matter how much they're wiling out, yeah, to be able to, if not the, obviously not the details, but mm-hmm. but to understand and to be able to see past the surface and recognize that there's a whole story, yeah, behind every person, yeah, whether they're homeless on the street, whether they're a d- drug addict, a prostitute, yeah, whether they're you know in the Russian army killing civilians right, in right, Ukraine, right. whether like whoever it is, there are stories in every person's life that can help you understand how someone ends up where they end up. Putin is definitely not uh, exercising self-love, self-care. <laughs> right. Nar- that would be narcissism. That's a narcissist. Um, but, yeah, so, like, again, doing that work in myself and in some ways being forced to do it uh, as a husband mm-hmm. um, allows me to recognize that, that, that the same way that there are layers of my life and much of which has combined to create the, the distinct mixture that is who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, both my strengths and my weaknesses, my tendencies, my personality, even connections into how my gifts and my callings in God express themselves yeah. allows me to understand that that is true of all people, uh, which helps me to not, not be as um, negatively reactive to people that, that may lash out. Um, That's good. And things like that. So, like, in that way, I think, I mean, it's not it's not really, like, self-care. Other than that, I feel like I've done a lot of, like, you know, self-therapy, which is known as the best <laughs> thing. But I've learned, Like the doctor I've guy. Learned to let the, I've learned to let the Holy Spirit guide that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I, do, I do see how it's, like, produced an ability to, to have patience and grace for other people. Yeah. Which is, I think, exactly... What you talked about. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's definitely areas of, of self-love that I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. I th- as we as we all do. Bro, but I think, I think that you said the key is, like, yeah. am I walking through life trying to intentionally be aware and allow the Lord to make me aware of it? Or am I trying to be blind to it and ignore right. it? Right, right, and right. just, it's, it's like that, I think we talked about this one episode of, like, People just be like, well, that's how I am. That's how God made me. Right. That's my personality. And we use that as an excuse to just be nasty to people. It's like, no, that's not how it works, brother. What yeah. episode was that? That was, yeah, I remember that. I mean, I don't think it was particular. I don't know if the episode was pretty. Was about, about that. I remember us talking about yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, pe- people do do that. All I see it all the time. And it, whether <laughs> it's, whether it's your, your astrological though. sign or, yeah. or you know, your whatever. Mm-hmm. Um People use that as an excuse to just be nasty. It's like, yeah. first of all, none of that means that you shouldn't be growing, right? It doesn't matter what your tendency there is. There it is. You are responsible for becoming a better person. Yeah. I just posted. I was like, look, players, read Acts chapter mm-hmm. 2. The reality is that you have responsibility for your own discipleship. It's not all on your leaders to disciple you. That's right. That's what it means when it says that the believers devoted themselves to. That's right. The church has to be teaching, but then the, the individuals have to devote themselves a singular focus and pursuit of the teaching and apply it to their lives. And right. if, it, if those two things don't hit, match with each other, right? Yeah. So it's like we have to be doing the work on ourselves. And so much of what we define as personality, 
like even myself as, as I'm talking about my past and my 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 relationship with my parents I'm recognizing that like this personality wasn't necessarily like god-given it wasn't necessarily like who i was as a child and will right. always be right, like the, right, right. the core, the values, core values, values index versus you know something that was a combination of nature and nurture mm-hmm. which i think is like you know probably 90 percent of who we are mm-hmm. even even god's gifts mm-hmm. and his intentions and his call in our life can be shaped and uh, sometimes expanded and sometimes uplifted but also sometimes twisted and broken by life experiences by trauma by negative self-talk or or people's negative voices in our heads yeah um well so that's where lack of self-love begets lack of self-love right lack of self-care begets lack of self-care right so you experienced and i experienced family settings where our parents weren't necessarily exercising self-care and self-love. Right. So then where are you going to learn it from? What the heck? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I feel like that that's the majority of us. Um, I remember that movie, um, Antoine Fisher. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's a real book. I've never read the book, but I remember in the book... Um, uh, Denzel Washington's character, the counselor, mm-hmm. the military counselor, right? Mm-hmm. He offers uh, the main character, and I forget his name now. Well, Antoine Fisher, <laughs> obviously. That dude. He he offers Antoine this this book to help him kind of process I think that was a little his first bit major about major movie. The actor's yeah, first major was, movie. Yeah, to help him kind of process, you know, his upbringing mm-hmm. in the foster home, and you know, the, especially with the physical uh, violence and and, a, and abuse that was disguised as punishment and and child rearing and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the premise of the book, as I understand it from how he introduced it to him, was, I think it was called Slave Ship. I don't know if you remember the movie, but the idea was like the treatment that slaves received from their masters right. became how they treated their children. That's right. And that passed down on down the generations, right? So that, that lack of self-love um, was passed down in, in the... In the at least in one in one way through mm-hmm. um, the the violent nature of, of you know correcting yeah. your children right and uh, and I think that's that's definitely true like especially I, like <laughs> I don't know if we understand how unique of a time we are in in the sense that the idea of self care of uh, mental health, mental mm-hmm, health days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've got these athletes now saying, "Hey, you know, I'm just not in a good place to compete right now. I'm, I'm just not going to." Um, g- the growing understanding that it's not only okay, They're doing but benefit. Yeah, the, um, there was Simone Biles in the Olympics, and then um, oh yeah, that's right. What's her last name? The tennis player Osaka. I think it's Osaka. She okay. she she pulled out of a major tournament, um, and that should be fine. Right, but 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 the, that's becoming true, and it's, I mean, out, outside. I mean, I don't I don't know all of human history, so I don't know if there's been moments in cultures, um, in history where where that has been an idea. But well, Prince says uh, there's some people that have done it. Some major folks, like I know Prince did it a, f- a couple times. 
No, I'm, just, I'm, like, talking I'm, about like, I'm talking about historically. Oh, got you. But like gotcha. we are, we're in a, from my understanding of world history, we're in a very unique time when the idea of self care more uh, and therapy accepted. is becoming a thing yeah. for the first time. It was never really a thing. It was looked down on, frowned upon, not not greatly practiced. So well, we're two gen. We're what is this? I'm Gen X. We got millennial, Gen Z. Like those are the prominent generations alive now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So the past, the baby boomer and the ones before, they pretty much died out. And like that way of thinking of just like you said in the beginning, just push through. Yeah. Excuse me, is dying out with that or has died out yeah. with that with in that every, concept. In every generation before it. So. Right. So it's no wonder that mm-hmm. these ideas and these sensibilities are so ingrained. Right. Because, again, we didn't know that there was any other way. <laughs> no one ever tried. The only people who ever got to try to live the way that we have a chance to live now were just the uber wealthy. Right. The, the patriarchs right. and the, the, the royalty who were able to live fairly carefree lives because of their status yeah. in, soci- in a society societal system that subjugated the vast majority of the population, right? to actually be in a, in a coming into a generation where you know it's becoming acceptable for the masses yeah. to <clears throat> to take more time off I want to, to say, take breaks to take vacations right. to take mental health days to please. go to therapists to care for themselves please um, it is it really is like a brand new frontier I want to say before we wrap up if you are because this happened to me and I wish wish someone had had, I'm just going to say it had the balls enough to tell me. Um, so I have them. <laughs> Not because I'm a guy, but I just, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to tell you, if you are part of a ministry where your senior pastor is telling you uh, to just push through, God is going to give you strength to do it. You don't have to rest. Rest is for people who are dead. If they use phrases like that, Tell them that they're wrong in a loving way. You're wrong. And let them know I'm not going to be any good to you. This team isn't going to be any good to you. If we are pushed like this, we need to take a break or we need to do one thing at a time. I remember uh, at one of the ministries that I worked at, there were no less than four four major projects on the table that had to be done before Sunday. Yeah. It's like, and the people, my coworkers were like frazzled. So much so to the point that they were bringing their spouses who were not on the payroll in to help them. Hmm. And you guys, that's wrong. That is not something that God is going to bless you for. And that's the lie. God is going to bless you for this service. He never told you to do that. Right. Right. And that's that's the only caveat is that right. not your leader, right. not your pastor, right. not anybody else. You right. need to, this is why every believer needs to be taught how to have a true and genuine relationship 
Not just right. a belief in Jesus, like you said but a earlier. relationship with Jesus such that just you understand, can hear from, and obey the That's Holy right. Spirit. Because there will be times and there yeah. will be people that God calls to, and I've talked about this many times just because it happens to be a great example, that to operate at a, at a level that is uncommon and for anyone else would be completely unhealthy, That's but right. God sustains them. That's right. And so the example that I always give is John Wesley, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, 50 years of ministry, and I always forget the numbers. I looked it up one time, but some multiple tens of thousands of sermons. I mean, mm-hmm. it breaks down to like he preached 16 times a week for 50 years. And it was interesting because when I was looking it up, I found some some uh, uh, records of his letters later mm-hmm. on in life. And like essentially he... He ministered and ministered and ministered until God told him to stop. And he was in his uh, 80s, I believe. Mm. He was like 85 when he finally stopped, right? Yeah. And it was like within two years, his body failed him and he died. And it was like God sustained him. He was like, as up until the last time I preached, it was kind of like Moses. His yeah. eyes did not dim. Yeah. His strength did not wane. God... God uh, uh, carried him through that insane, like, 50 years. And you got to remember, this is back in back the day. Back when there was he's no He's not internet, taking trains. He's no not flying. Phones, in, really. He's not flying in <laughs> right. any Lear jets. He's right. not taking the train. He's not driving a car. He's riding horses mm-hmm. all across the English landscape, yeah. preaching 16 times a week, uh, almost every day, mm-hmm. uh, for 50 years, nonstop for 50 years, right? Um that not everyone is called to do that. No. And he was obedient until God told him to stop. And then and then God was basically, I feel like God physically manifested the statement, Well done, my good and faithful servant. It's like, it's now okay. it's time to come home. Yeah. You finish your work. You don't need yeah. to be there anymore. Yeah. And within two years, he was gone. Um, so there are times, but you, again, you have to be, you the, have the to Lord has to yourself. be leading you to that. That's right. Um, that it, I'll say it like this. In the same way that the Catholic Church has done immeasurable damage to the world yeah. by forcing all of their priests to be celibate, yeah. taking a biblical standard and applying it universally instead yeah. of doing what Paul said, which was, if God has given you the gift. That's right, of singleness. Which Paul never, Paul never said that only people who were single could minister. That's right. Which is what the Catholic Church did. We've done this, we would do the same disservice and damage to the world, to the kingdom, to our brothers and sisters, and to the world, the testament of Christ, whatever, however you want to look at it, destructive. Yeah. If we were to take the idea of working hard for God, like you know, like what we saw in John Wesley, and yeah. blanket apply that to everybody That's right. and say this is the standard. Because unless God has called you to it, he's not going to sustain you through it. I was about to cut somebody out. Just a just a random uh, figuring in somebody. You ain't going to tell me that I have to be at this building every day doing God knows what, and it's for God. No, it's for you. I mean, that's you ain't going to tell me that's no. That's where we were, man. I look back, and I'm just like, praise God that he took us out. Because yeah. honestly, I, so like, you know, Jen had a stroke, what, two two years ago now, two and a yeah. half years ago now. Um, I have no doubt she would have had it way sooner if we yeah. had stayed at the Citadel. Yeah. Because I look back on that season in her life, and she was working 40 hours a week. She was volunteering 40 hours a week in the church for nothing. Jeez. Volunteering. Because we, we had we had three services on Sunday. We had youth. We had worship practice. We had... Um, 
we had like a late midweek prophetic service. And then Saturdays we were doing photography. She had no days off. Basically working two jobs but only getting paid for one. And having no time off, no day off. For eight years she was sick all the time. Always missing work because she was sick. Um, Constantly having like bronchitis and her asthma was bad. And like it was just, it was I don't even know how she made it eight years, honestly. I think it was, that was God's grace, not his intention, but his grace because he knew that we didn't know any better. This is what our leaders were telling us to do. Bro. And with no regard to the cost. No, no ne- regard. never. There's I mean, never, it, there, never regard. There are so many, there's so many ministries and oh, employers, church and outside of church, who yeah. in practice, if not in their language, reflect exactly what Mark Driscoll said in yeah. a trail of bodies behind the That's bus. Right. It doesn't matter. That's right. What the the carnage is, it doesn't matter what the cost is. That's right. The ultimate thing is we have to keep the bus moving forward. That's that's every corporation. Basically, and so many. We have to keep too. my bus moving forward. My, oh, yeah, exactly. Keep yeah, my bus it's moving my forward. bus. Yeah, the, right. it's our bus, mm-hmm. but the only one benefiting is me. That's right. right. <laughs> so it's my bus. And Bro. if I want you off the bus, that's when you'll learn that it wasn't your bus. Right. <laughs> you right. thought it was your bus, but isn't it funny? Right. I mean, they talk about a job. They talk about the right. post a lot of times. Like, look, if you die tomorrow, your job will replace you within a week. That's right. So take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Those things are more important. Because and you, co- companies no matter, have realized this sooner than churches. Right. You have to take care of yourself. It doesn't matter how much they say we're a team, we're a family. Right. You know, this is our corporation. We do right. this together. If you step out of line, they will throw you off the bus so Bruh, quick. so fast. And if you can't keep up with the work anymore, you mm-hmm. get burnt out, they'll kick you off the bus. So it's not your bus. That church is it's not your church. It's not your ministry. It's the, right. It belongs to the leaders, That's even if they say it belongs to God. And they'll throw you off the bus so quick if you can't keep up. Well, this it, conversation yeah. turned quickly, yeah. uh, just, but, but it's all connected. It's still, yeah, yeah, it's still yeah, very, yeah. very much connected for I, the believer. I, I think we, we have should to be there. I think we should end off with yeah, like okay, so so not so much self care, because again, I think self care is a byproduct of self love. Right. So so how how do we love ourselves better? How do we love ourselves better? I think for me, first and foremost. And again, Christians, I think, are good at saying this, but really bad at living it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that like the core foundation of your identity and value as a human being is one that mm-hmm. we were made in the likeness and image of God. Mm-hmm. As a believer, we carry the Holy Spirit within us, the very spirit Could you of the just God say who Latin? created the universe. Yeah. Could you say, so people the know that you're smart. <laughs> We were creating the um, Imago Day. Ima- people yeah, know, the Imago so, Day. So people know that you, yes. you're um, smart. <laughs> and and the Son of God gave his life for us. Yeah. Like those three things create the, uh, an unbreakable foundation, a a floor, if you will, below which our value cannot sink. Right. Because those things are true for That's every good. human being. Yeah. Those things are true of the worst human beings. Mm-hmm. Those things are true of the best human beings. Mm-hmm. All human beings share those, those three things. That's right. In common, and so any negative self-talk, any belief about ourselves that tries to lower us below that standard, like those have to be shut down. We yeah. cannot engage in those. We can't believe those. We've got to say no to those. And I think that standard gives us gives Man. us a tool, a weapon to fight back against um, those mindsets and those voices that would try to drop us below that. Yeah. 
Like no matter what I'm engaged in, no matter how I might be sinning or failing or disobeying or struggling in my life, I'm creating the likeness and image of God. As a believer, I carry the Holy Spirit within me. And the Son of God, Jesus Christ, gave his life for me. That's good. And in turn, those things will help you look at other people. If he did that for me, he did that for yeah. them. And that's, that's I think that's, yeah. that the, we talked about that, the key of the love your neighbor as yourself is that, is that God understood. Yeah. Because it says in John, I think, chapter 5, where it's, it's, Jesus said that because he understood the nature of human the human heart, right? Mm-hmm. The heart of man. Mm-hmm. Right. So he knows how we work. So when he knows that if if we are understanding that for ourselves, yeah. if we're using those standards to break down and, and remove negative self-talk and self-hatred from our life, we will, by nature, be able to begin to see other people through yeah. that same lens yeah. because we're changing our eyesight. We're changing yeah. the way we see ourselves which will change the way we see other people. He knew that that would work yeah. that way. So that's why he said self first, because that will develop the tools and the lenses through which to then be able to see other people differently. The airlines and when we see other that. people differently, <laughs> we can love them differently. The airlines we have didn't to, make that up. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus you have to up. see other, you have, that's the key too. You have to see other people differently before yeah. you can love them differently. That's right. You can't love someone who you see as a terrible person or a mean person or an enemy. Bro. Loving our enemies is because we see them as something different than just our, our natural enemy. We see the godness likeness in them. We see the fact that God loves them. We see the fact that God desires them to come into relationship with yeah. him. And so even though they may be our natural enemy, there's something else there. That's how we're able to love them. And the, the daggone... The Danes, <laughs> the Dagon Danes, and the and the freaking uh, Saxons never viewed each other as worthy of love from the Danes, the Dane gods, nor the Saxons, the Christian of of their god. Mm. Like it was never, it was always forced upon them. Yeah, never, man. If you could just. He, he would love you and you would love him. Or, man, you would love the gods and the gods would welcome you. It was never that mm-hmm. because they never saw the worth in the other person yeah. because a lot of times they never, their human heart has always been the same since the beginning of time. They didn't really see the worth in themselves. And, um, man, I think you summed it up with those three things just just perfectly. I mean, that's what Jesus did for us. That's what God did for us through Jesus. And um, we have that personally. I have that personally, but so do you. Yeah. Yeah. And so does everyone that's listening. We have to do that for each yeah. other. And I think in terms of like therapy and I, the challenging aspect about encouraging people to, to engage in therapy. And again, uh, the other part of this is that, like, therapy is not just about going to see a psychiatrist and getting diagnosed. Right. Like, that's actually probably a smaller degree of therapy than what people think it is. 
therapy is going through the process of working through your past, your history, yeah. your experiences, your trauma, your joys and your pains, and understanding how they impact your life today. That's right. That's therapy. It's not going in and getting a diagnosis of depression and getting medicine for it. That's one aspect yeah. and probably, for most people, would probably not be the way that they would engage with right, therapy. Right, right. And I, and I recognize that we still in, in America face the challenge of affordability. And so there's a lot of people who's, who don't have insurance to cover it who wouldn't be able to afford to pay a therapist out of pocket. And so there are some challenges there. But I would say that, that part of going through and engaging in, in therapy is allowing yourself to process that stuff. And, and I think the biggest aspect of that in terms of self-love is recognizing that not everything that you look down on yourself for is mm -hmm. actually your fault. Right. <laughs> like, uh, I heard this definition in one of the books I was reading last year. Um, understanding the difference between, uh, oh gosh, I wrote it down, and I haven't said it in a while, so I'm going to forget it, but, hold on. To, if uh, it was people James. having to, to was hold James. that stuff, yeah. or feel like they have That's to right. hold that stuff, which creates self-loathing. That's self right. Anger, uh, short fuses, people, you know, husbands, uh, wives, mothers, children snapping over, you know, at each other over little things is often a result, again, uh -huh. carrying guilt and shame is the same as carrying a, a chronic illness. That's it, right. it burns up those That's spoons. That's right. That's right. It burns up, and That's suddenly right. you don't have the capacity you to carry deal with that normal day-to-day -day <laughs> stuff because you're carrying this giant weight of yeah. all this garbage you're not yeah. dealing with. Yeah. And that can be therapy, but then also can just be bringing our sin into the light yeah. so that it no longer has power over us. And yeah. there is a process prescribed by God for that that we yeah. abandon in the church. We talked, we've talked about that before, too. So, Man, this was good. Hey, if y'all have any questions, comments, topic ideas, if you have music, we're, we're still always open to, ha to uh, being a champion for... Uh, local worship leaders or even inspirational songwriters. Man, the only um, thing I can think of is that we must just be too controversial for people to want. Because I mean, <laughs> I know so many people, and they're always trying to get their music out there. I'm like, we have been offering free, free advertising. advertising essentially for your songs, and people ain't. Send us your daggone music <laughs> before we get Viking on you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but if you have any of those things to send, uh, if if you have hate mail, if you if if you want to have a discussion through email, you want us to answer a question, where can you send If you passionately disagree with us. Right. If you passionately disagree, <laughs> there's a place that you can send your passionate disagreement. And not so that we can fight and argue, but we'd love to have a conversation. Definitely don't want to do that. Because, hey, we might be wrong. We, hey, if <laughs> you ask my wife. We're not God. So if you ask my wife, you know, I'm wrong uh, every day. I'm just kidding. Well, but we she still know, loves we know me. Mo's right. She so loves that me. Mean you are wrong all day. <laughs> That's why I stay in the studio. But yeah, you guys can uh, you guys connect with us. You can find episodes. Um, you can find out more about who we are and, and more about the Faith Chair um, on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at the Faith Chair. We'll uh, get you there on any of those platforms. Boom. You can also email us directly at faithchairpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's faithchairpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Y'all have a great weekend. Peace. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.
Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture.